Welcome to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. Our mission is to connect the past and the present NICU mom by bringing them out of isolation and into a sisterhood of women who can stand alongside each other as we heal and grow both in and out of the NICU. Our hope is that through interviews with trauma-informed medical and maternal mental health experts and vulnerable stories from NICU mamas themselves, that you would feel connected to the Dear NICU Mama Sisterhood around the world. So, whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago, or whether you find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone. Hi, mamas. Welcome back to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. It's your hosts, Martha and Ashley. Ashley, <laughs> Ashley, Ashley, Ashley. That was my echo for you in the background. I, I could tell. I, um, I, this is really weird. I'm using a different mic today and I'm just looking at you out of the corner of my eye. And like, it looks like you're in like a radio room, like an actual, like we're yeah. on a live radio station right now. It's, it's very cool. We're going to have to get used to being legitimate and not just recording underneath blankets to um, <laughs> block out the sound. Those are good mem- memories. Uh, Ash, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. It is my anniversary today with my oh. hubby, Ryan. So we are celebrating nine years of marriage. So oh. that's fun. So that's why I'm in a cute outfit today. I'm usually in my sweats. Well, I feel like you're selling yourself short. I am always in my sweats. Whenever I see you, I think to myself, oh, I drastically misunderstood the dress code for this situation. <laughs> I don't think so. The polka dot dress, maybe. Yes. But all other outfits, 100%, you nailed it. Yeah, I did look like... Anyway, it doesn't... We don't need to go down the room. Uh, anyway, today is a really special occasion. We have many special guests, not just one here today, many special guests, and they're all from... Our community of incredible NICU moms from around the country. They're also our dear friends. Yes. And we got to meet a couple of them for the very first time a couple of weekends ago. There were many tears. I was very mm-hmm. sad that the weekend ended. And now I like feel like there's this void in my life. I'm Me like, too. oh, I wish we could just hang out every weekend. <laughs> I know. I had that same feeling. Afterwards, I was like, oh, real, <laughs> real life? Children? Right. Okay, sure. I felt that way for sure. And it was it's weird that you reminded me that it was the first time we met them because that also doesn't feel quite real either. I know. I'm pretty sure that has to be a lie. But um, (laughs) anyway, we wanted to have a special conversation this week about uh, parenting after NICU, particularly this decision, you know, that weighs on so many families, which is, do you go back to work? Do you stay at home? especially with NICU kiddos, medically complex kiddos, sometimes that decision is made for you and Mm -hmm. sometimes it's not so clear. So we wanted to have an opportunity to talk about this with lots of different people from different perspectives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm also excited because that means Martha and I just get to kind of be a fly on the wall in this conversation Mm -hmm. Um, and we get to really hear from some of our treasured team members and women and mothers that we look up to dearly. Mm -hmm. And so we know that this episode is going to be packed with nuggets of wisdom and we're super excited to just get to listen and learn and hear more about their motherhood journeys. I figuratively and literally look up to them. Because yes. I'm the same height as Danny DeVito. So it all adds up. <laughs> there he uh, is. There's Danny. <laughs> Without further ado, should we introduce these yes. fine guests? Let's do it. 
We have from the great state of Arizona. I feel like I'm introducing wrestlers on WWE. <laughs> we have from the great state of Arizona, Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Welcome. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me again. We're so excited. And from Indiana, home of Parks and Recreation, and I think the Colts. I don't know what sports are, but we have Lexa. Welcome, Lexa. Hello. And finally, we have our dear, um, our, one of the oldest friends of Dear Nikki Mama, and are so, so treasured in our heart, our sister for life, sweet, sweet Kendra. Hello, Kendra. Hi, mamas. <laughs> We're so excited. Well, ladies, thank you all so much for taking the time to be here and to listen to us yammer on for the past four minutes. Um, We're so grateful to have your perspectives. Like Ashley said, we treasure and value you and your words of wisdom so much. Mm -hmm. Well, and we, we have the honor of knowing each of you dearly, but many of our listeners, if they haven't heard your episodes before or had the opportunity to connect with each of you, may not know about your journeys. So we'd love to just start with having each of you share a brief summary of your NICU journeys and experiences and um, just kind of a, have a chance to get to know you guys. So Sarah, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I can start us off. Um, so I'm Sarah. They uh, already said that, but I live <laughs> in the state of Arizona. Um, my son, Connor, was born at 23 weeks, and we spent 115 days in the NICU. Um, and after he came home from the NICU, um, we decided that um, it was best for me to be a stay-at-home mom. Mm. So that is, that's the very quick overview. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, I love it. And Connor had a really big week this week. Connor had a really big week this week. Um, And you had a really big week. (laughs) And I had a really big week. So today, as we speak right now, um, Connor is at his second day of preschool. Um, So it's, it's, you know, the little half day thing where it's two and a half hours a day, three days a week. But this was the first time that I've left him um, since I was leaving him at the hospital in the NICU. So it really was a big milestone and um we're both hanging in there this morning he wasn't too happy with me but you know uh we're we're gonna get through it (laughs) yeah and we are so incredibly proud of the both of you it's just so surreal to see him with like his little picture his backpack oh too much it's so funny right because they send these kids to preschool with the backpack but the only thing in there is um <laughs> a change of clothes in case right, they do their pants <laughs> so you know all your school supplies just kidding just a change of clothes with your name on it yeah you know what that probably is not a bad idea for adults we should probably just walk around with a change of clothes right martha now. are you trying to tell us something have you been having accidents <laughs> yeah absolutely that's why i'm in pelvic floor therapy duh <laughs> Um, I will also say too, Sarah has a phenomenal episode on the podcast. Um, all three of these mamas have their own episodes about their journeys. Either they've been launched or they will be launched at some point in the future. Uh, so we definitely encourage you to look those up afterwards too. But thank mm-hmm. you so much for being here, Sarah. And congratulations Thanks, on week one. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Lexa, do you want to go next? Yes. So my name is Lexa and Ali was born at 28 weeks. I had severe preeclampsia and we stayed in the NICU for 88 days. And then when we came home, she came home on oxygen and the NG tube. And then we had quite a roller coaster after of like 
different specialties that we had to follow up with after as well. Mm. And then you also conceived another sweet little guy. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> no big deal. Too, yeah. So five months after we came home from the hospital, I found out I was pregnant with Mr. Luca. Mm-hmm. And he made it to 36 weeks. So I also got severe preeclampsia with him, but no NICU stay for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're all <laughs> yes, silent clapping. Yeah, silent clapping for that. Naps, yep. That's so fun. Well, we're so excited to have you here and hear more about your journey and also some of the ways that you've gotten creative with pursuing your passions and what you love, even if you're not going into an office every day. It's been super fun to see your creativity come to life and follow along with your new ventures that I know we'll get to hear about in a little bit. So super excited to hear your journey. (laughs) And last but not least, Kendra. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I am mom to Callan, and he was actually a full-term NICU baby. We had a 188-day stay. He ended up coming home with a trach, an event, um, vent-dependent, a G-tube, and then later on, he ended up um, having seizures, and he is now obviously, as what they would say, severely, globally global developmental delays is what we're dealing with. Um, So delays in all of the areas of his life. So delays with eating, um, walking, all um, like PT stuff, OT stuff, just a whole bunch of everything, which requires a lot of hands on deck all throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Kendra, you... First of all, Callan is spectacular in his own right. Round of applause for Callan. But you also went through a journey of pregnancy again after loss and after your DICU experience with Callan too, with with sweet baby Nora, who has the um, is the cutest little toehead I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) Girl's got a big toehead. She's fun. Yes, it's been, it's put quite the dynamic in being a stay at home mom. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll probably touch on that a little bit later, but it has been great in so many ways. And as with, I think all of us moms could agree, staying at home with your kids, there are hard aspects of it too. Yeah, for sure. Well, and maybe we can kind of kick off the discussion with just hearing a little bit about each of you and, and what you thought you know, working as a mom would look like? Did you have career aspirations before you became a mom? Did you ever envision those changes? I mean, we would just love to know kind of what your career looked like before your NICU experiences and before your kids were born. Um, Okay, I I can go first. Um, So um, prior to Connor being born, I was actually an elementary school teacher Um, I have my master's degree in elementary education, and I was in the middle of my fifth year teaching um, when I unexpectedly went into labor. Um, So the plan initially before um, our NICU stay was we were so excited that Connor was um, had a due date of March because Mm -hmm. he was going to be born in March. I was going to get to use my FMLA Mm -hmm. to take me to summer, and then I was going to have all of summer off with him before I just restarted the school year in August. So um, me being a stay-at-home mom was not in the cards. Um, I 
prior to our NICU experience, I considered myself a workaholic. Um, Mm -hmm. But now I realize that that's kind of just, you know, a manifestation of trauma. But it's okay. Mm -hmm. That's a whole other thing. Um, (sighs) But um, yeah, it was not in the cards for me to be a stay at home mom. Um, And really, you know, having a 23-weeker who was immunocompromised, who had um, chronic lung disease, um, our neonatologist actually told us if it was possible, we should keep him out of daycare for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we recognize that that's such a huge privilege that not every mom has the ability to do. But um, because my husband's career allowed us financially to be able to swing that, it just made sense for me to stay home with Connor for a year was the mm-hmm. plan. Um, and then COVID hit. So, um, right. so um, yeah, I mean, uh, my stay at home mom journey has been quite the roller coaster. And um, yeah, I can definitively say that this was not the path that I thought we were going to go down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So similar to Sarah, I was not planning on being a stay at home mom. And I would say I was also a workaholic. So Different, different conversation for another Ooh, day. A common theme. Yeah. Uh, raise your hand if you would call yourself a workaholic. <laughs> Hands are up. And um, so I was working in HR and I was working on my MBA as well. So actually I got to the hospital hospitalized on Saturday and I started my next semester of my MBA that Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, listen, I got to go home. Like, I don't know. I don't know what you're thinking, but I thought I go to school. So like, I was like, I can't miss because we couldn't do it online. But so I had to put that on hold. And even after Ali came home, my plan was still to go back to work. And I remember the nurses telling me that, you know, she probably couldn't go to daycare because she was a 28 weeker. And I was like, well, we didn't know that. So I worked through her whole NICU stay. And I think that was also a trauma response. But mm-hmm. um, I went back to work like two weeks after she was born. And I worked that whole time. She came home. She couldn't go to daycare because of her oxygen and her tube. And then we, I was still working full time with her at home. They just let me do it from home. Mm-hmm. And I think like two months into it, I told Nathan, like, something's got to give. Like, I either need to get help or I need to step back from work. And then we decided we would get help. And he thought, and he made a good point. He's like, I think you'll be very sad if you're not working. Because I was just like my full identity work. So we got some help. That didn't work out as well. We had a full-time nanny. And then um, I got pregnant with Luca. So I decided to quit. And I was like, the nanny's not working out. This is too stressful. I want to have a relaxing pregnancy. And then... Um, Oh, I try to quit. And they're like, well, how about part-time? Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, fine. I'll <laughs> say part-time. People pleasing. And then I was part-time the whole time. Luca came home. And then I was still working with both of them while they would nap. And it was very stressful. And once I went part-time, I had a hard time with it. Um, just like I wasn't involved as much. So I had a hard time with that. Yeah. And then I decided to officially quit again. And then I actually quit just last October. And I actually got very depressed after that. I think just my identity with work and 
having to give it up. And I remember always being like, no, I'm not going to be a stay-at-home mom. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work. It's fine. So I'm still healing from it. Even now when um, I was asked to do this podcast, I was like, oh, yeah, I am a stay-at-home mom. Like I have a hard time even mm-hmm. describing myself as that. So, Right. Wow, I didn't, backstory. Yeah, no, I didn't know that part of your story. So that's really, <laughs> that's incredible. I definitely um, probably would have just quit right away and been like, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> and I feel like you're one of those people that can't say no to somebody asking you either. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. You're so kind. Um, so I was... Then, or when I got pregnant with Callan, it was kind of a plan because by the time I would graduate college, I would have him and then I would, you know, finish on with my career. So we got pregnant right when we would be clear of me being able to graduate and be done with um, my student teaching experience. So I was elementary education and so I was pregnant throughout my student teaching and went on after that to do a little side job until he was born and I thought at that time I would do all of my licensure exams study for them all of those things and then my um, father-in-law was diagnosed with a brain tumor and so I was like okay I need some time my husband needs some time I am not focusing on getting that licensure exam I'll do it once Callan is born and then when he was born it was quite obvious that okay, that's going to be pushed back a little bit more. We're in the NICU. And right away in our NICU stay, I thought that it was going to be a lot shorter than it was. Um, At first, we thought that it was only going to be working on feedings and getting him off of oxygen, and then we'd get to go home. Little did I know what was to come in our journey. And when Callan ended up um, not being able to be extubated after his G-tube surgery and they started talking about a trach, it was at that point in time that I knew things were changing. There was no way I was able to go to work when you have a kid that's dependent on a vent and a trach to stay alive mm-hmm. um, because with home care nursing, it's kind of a wild card. Is the nurse going to show up? Are you going to have nursing? Um, mm-hmm. You're supposed to stay awake throughout the night next to him. Somebody is. And as mostly everyone knows, education teachers can't just take off endless amounts of days and just not show up. I mean, Sarah, you know that firsthand. You can't just take off 20 days and expect all to be well with your career. So I knew that if I was going to work, it was not going to be in education for one. And I didn't even end up, I didn't have the capacity to study while he was in the NICU or NICU stay was so turbulent and it just kind of went downhill from the beginning instead of things getting better it got way worse before it was better um so I just did not have any capacity to even work on anything like that um and then we came home after you know the six month stay and we needed home care nursing and then there was nurses in our house 24 hours of the day when they were there And I ended up losing a lot of my identity at that time because I was Mm -hmm. not working. So I wasn't contributing to finances and I wasn't even changing my kid's diaper. 
I was just holding him at times. I had a nurse that would put away my dishes for me if I stepped away to do something for my dog or Callan. And I'm like, what? what is going on? What, who am I? What is my role in this household? Um, so I definitely looking back, I was in a season of depression as well. Um, and I, I didn't know it now knowing more about mental health and being surrounded by other Nikki moms. I was like, Oh man, I definitely was depressed in that season of time. Um, but yeah, that's just definitely did not expect to be a stay at home mom. Uh, Tyler's mom is a stay at home mom. And now I'm like, oh, I wouldn't change it for the world most days. Other days, I still have thoughts that go through my head. Um, <laughs> but I, I definitely rely on my mother-in-law to just kind of, she really understands and she gets what it is truly like to be a stay-at-home mom. And that's been really helpful. Today's episode is brought to you by Every Tiny Thing. Every Tiny Thing designs and crafts journals, care packages, and more for families in the NICU. Founded, owned, and operated by a practicing NICU nurse, Every Tiny Thing's products aren't just gifts, they are meaningful tools which empower parents, encourage involvement, and inspire hope. From milestone cards, calendars, and NICU wear, each item is designed to be as high quality and adorable as any traditional baby product, but made only for the NICU, because NICU parents deserve the very best. Not to mention their caring and compassionate customer service. They understand the NICU experience intrinsically, and they're there for you every step of the way. Best of all, they donate a portion of their profits to NICU-focused nonprofits, and they offer discounts for families looking to give back to their local NICU communities. We highly recommend the NICU Essentials Bundle. It contains all their best-selling items, the journal, milestone cards, and NICU art, Packaged in a sweet NICU memories box to hold all your precious mementos from the NICU days. It's the perfect gift for yourself or loved ones, so you can honor and celebrate every tiny thing. For more information and to view their entire product catalog, be sure to visit everytinything.com. I wonder too, this is great. So you all three kind of have brought up the sense of identity, right? And Mm -hmm. whether it is because of both how work contributed or your idea of career had changed or whether it's your idea of parenting had changed because all three had really different medical complexities that you came home with, right? And um, how that changed, even though it may have, it is the, the, maybe the only option or because of logistics, finances, or emotions. What, what, how would you describe that transition for you? You talked about it a little bit, but I wonder if we can dig down a little deeper. You think too about like, just like becoming a mom in and of itself is like an identity thing. Mm -hmm. And then like Martha was saying, like when it looks different than what you envisioned, and then you're also changing like the career or passions that you had. There's like so much to unpack in a short amount of time. So yeah, agreed. Like I'd love to hear about that identity piece because there's so much wrapped into that. I, it kind of started for me. um, Obviously I touched on things that happened when Callan came home. Um, And I think that depression time kind of hindered what I had started to shift in my mind while in the NICU. Um, but Tyler had a good chunk of time off right away and was able to do some work from the hospital. And I remember doing all that I could to avoid rounds. Um, I just didn't want to know what was happening 
what more could they say? Like every day it was something worse. And so I would hide. But when Tyler went to work, I was like, this is on me. Like this was my responsibility to be in rounds and be next to him bedside and be taking him out of the crib because I was so often afraid to even pick Callan up. And so Tyler was doing all of that. And I was like, I'm doing what I know how to do. I'm pumping like, and it was going really well for me. Um, So when Tyler went back to work, I remember the first day I called him crying and I was like, I don't think I can do this. I need you here. This is scaring me. And I was like, Kendra, I have to be at work. You can't go to work. I need to work for us. And I was like, okay, that's, I mean, it had to happen, right? There was, we talk often, I feel like in our community of how do you do this? And it's, often I had no other choice right so I was jumping into okay I'm going into rounds I'm going to be involved and advocate and learn all the things and that's when I shifted to I'm Callan's mom I'm his his advocate I am um, his researcher all of these things and I definitely think that's where my trauma manifested was turning into the ultimate googler and research reader and all of those things. And that definitely has played a big role in my mental health for the long haul, because that's the first thing I go to when something goes wrong. And you don't find great things in Google, right? (laughs) And so that was a a big thing for my identity. Like that was me. I was Callan's mom and I knew him in and out and I knew everything that happened in his life down to the seconds that happened. And a couple ambulance rides, um, the EMS providers, when we would get to the hospital, they'd be like, just ask mom. She knows it all. You don't need to look on her chart. She's great. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I took so much pride in that. I was like, yep, yeah. exactly. Listen to me. <laughs> and let alone now looking back, like, maybe there's a little bit of unhealthy moments in that. Um, because with Callan, his medical complexities didn't go away. We came home and those lasted and they're not, um, they're still very present five years later. And now we have Nora, like you touched on. And we've had to kind of, I've had to give up some of those roles and Tyler's had to be the one with him in hospital stay. And the first one I was talking with the girls before this started was a year ago when he needed to be hospitalized for two weeks. And I was still very actively nursing Nora and it was a very hard thing to give up. And Mm -hmm. I felt like my identity shifted again. And like, who am I? Now I'm no longer, you know, Callan's mom. Now what am I, you know? Um, Mm. And that was a really, really eye-opening thing. And I'm like, who am I besides Callan and Nora's mom? Mm. What what more is there to Kendra? And my Mm -hmm. therapist would ask that and I would just stare at her. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know who I am. I I lost um, remembering what my passions were like and who I was before the trauma hit. So that's been a work in progress of figuring that all out. Yeah. Sorry, that was a lot. No, that was no, so that good. Was good. It was powerful. I think to Kendra's point, I mean, I still don't know. I'm still a work in progress. And you guys kind of touched a little bit about how, like, I started my organizing business. And I think it goes back to, like, that identity of work. So, like, I needed to pour my heart into something else, too, which is nice to, like, find other passions. Um, But I realized just this week, because I started seeing a new therapist, that I've never had, like, 
a slow moment of being like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm a stay at home mom. And let mm-hmm. me like only focus on that. Like I'm always like, okay, well now I'm going to do a blog and I'm doing, you know, mm-hmm. organizing on this yeah. side and I'm doing all these things. And then she asked me like, do you want to be a traditional mom or do you want to be a modern mom? And when she was describing like the traditional one, I was like, ugh. Like, I don't want to be that person. But then I also, like, I don't really want to go back to work. When I think about it, like, I don't want anyone else to watch them. Like, I want to be the one watching them all the time. I want to know what's going on. And to uh, Kendra's point, I loved, like, when I knew everything. Like, the doctors will ask me, like, okay, even now they do. Like, when how many times has she been sick? And I'm like, she was sick this many times. It took her this long to, like, recover. Because the pulmonologist always asks. I'm like, It took like three to four days, like, and I know it all. I don't even have to write it down. Like, I'm just like, it's yeah. in my brain. And so I'm working on it and I'm working on, I clearly need it from work. Like, you you know, you have performance reviews and someone will tell you you're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. So I'm missing that. Yeah. 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 I need yeah. to laugh out loud, but I so identify with yes, that. Absolutely. Yeah. I need it. So I'm like, who's telling me now that I'm doing a good job? Well, and but it's you're doing a good job. You are. I'm telling you right Thank now. Thank you. But it's not like you want somebody else other than your husband almost in a way because they're like, oh, mm-hmm. good job today. You kept him alive. It's like, <laughs> 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 yeah, on top of that, I also kept myself alive too. Right. <laughs> Yes. Uh, what I think just the other day when someone, Ali was, you know, now saying full sentences and she had a speech delay. And then I'm like, you know what? I did that. Like, yeah. that was me. Like, I don't mean, Nathan's very present with everything, but I'm just like, I worked really hard <laughs> to take her to all those therapy yeah. appointments and mm-hmm. work on teaching her those words. So I'm still a work in progress and mm-hmm. just embracing my new role, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of that. Yeah. Um, I, you guys sort of summarized that really well, but, um, you know, for me, when Connor came home, we had quite a bit of therapy appointments as well. Um, he didn't come home with a feeding tube or oxygen, which was shocking. Um, but we had a lot of feeding struggles. Um, and we, um, identified shortly after, well, not shortly after, but some months after the NICU that he was starting to fall behind on milestones. So just the, all of the work of navigating the specialty appointments and um, all of the work of just being the one that's carrying the mental load of parenting. Because as you guys said, you know, someone has to make the money to to pay the bills. And when my husband was working, I was the primary caregiver. And I feel so lucky because Scott was so good when he came home from work at kind of giving me as much of a break as I could. But it was one of those things like, what do I do when I have a break? Like, I don't even know who I am anymore. Like I, you know, coming from a career that is so demanding, like education, where you are like, there's literally always something that you can be doing to being a stay at home mom for an immunocompromised child. And then, you know, kind of, I I talked about this in my, in my podcast episode, but I I had a lot of guilt about wishing his infancy away because I didn't want to be so scared Mm -hmm. of just the outside world. And then COVID hit. So it was like, yeah. Okay. So now I'm like really a stay at home mom. I quarantined for a year to keep him safe. 
and now we have to keep quarantining. And I think something that, you know, stay at home moms struggle with universally is just how isolating it can be mm-hmm. and how lonely it can be, especially for women who are maybe coming out of a work environment that was very like high energy and you're surrounded by people all the time mm-hmm. and you like thrive in that social environment. Mm-hmm. And then going from going from that to being a stay at home parent in a pandemic to an immunocompromised child, it was just a lot. So, you know, as you guys touched on, I was, <laughs> I was unwell, um, and and really was pushed and and helped with my therapist to try to figure out what it was that was going to make me happy outside of my identity, just as a mom. Um, not to say that's not enough, um, but I think just for me. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't filling my bucket the way that, that, um, made me feel like a whole person. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and we talk a lot about like when you come home from the NICU is when you begin to feel everything and process everything. And for those that go to work, there's kind of an escape a little bit from your own Mm -hmm. thoughts, if you will. (laughs) Cause I was like half stay at home, half going to work, kind of like Alexa right away. But the hardest parts for me was when I just had to sit at home alone with my son and began to process everything that we had just gone through. So Mm -hmm. how did you guys in some of those like early stages of infancy when there is a lot of that time to just sit and stare and think, (laughs) you know, how did you safely begin to process or when did you realize, okay, I need some help processing this because staying at home isn't healthy for me right now? Oh gosh, that's so good. Uh, Sarah, yours was, you talked about was incredible too. I just remember that keyword of isolation. Hmm. I feeling that watching my neighbors and bless their hearts, they would do anything not to let their kiddos get Catlin sick. And at the same time, I felt so alone because I'd see them yeah. outside playing together. And I'm like, oh, why didn't they invite me? You know, why weren't, and I know in my heart and truest of truths that they just wanted to protect my son because they've seen it firsthand him be rushed to the hospital multiple times I mean they've been there for us um but it was in those moments that I was alone and isolated that all of the thoughts came Mm -hmm. creeping up and um so for us actually for me the first year that Callan was home and we were home from the NICU things were still so crazy in our lives um with my father-in-law he actually ended up passing away through four days after Callan's first birthday. So mm-hmm. that first year I was still um, in fight or flight. Like I was still fighting yeah. just to make it through. So the years that followed and when things became somewhat stable in our life, <laughs> every month there's always something. Um, but that's when I really started to begin to process all of the things. And for mm-hmm. me, it was, this is lifelong. This isn't until he's in school. This isn't until he can walk. I mean, if he can walk one day, this is our entire life going forward. And it became way harder once COVID hit. And that's when I realized I need a therapist. Like I Mm. am struggling. I am so just, I was anxious. And I would have moments of depression and it would definitely correlate um, with the, 
my menstrual cycle, but it was still to the point where I was like, this isn't healthy. This isn't a normal Mm. like PMS. This is, I don't know if I can do this any longer. Um, Mm. And I (laughs) remember telling Tyler and just finally like crying out to him and saying, I need help. This is really Mm. hard. And he's like, you're fine. You're just PMSing. And I was like, no, Tyler, I feel so alone and I would say those Mm. same things actually that you would say is you get to go to work and you get to have a break from all of this and and he finally listened and we started seeking out therapists and that was a game changer with my mental health um Mm. just to have somebody even validate the feelings that I was having Uh, yeah but it's still it's still a lot yeah Kendra, I'm glad that you brought up the the feeling like, no, you get a break, you get to go to work, because I struggled with that so much. Because, I mean, it's a break from the environment, but it's like, they're, they're going to work, right? Yeah. But my husband loves his job. So I would get so, I mean, like jealous and mm-hmm. just bitter because I knew that he was going to a work environment where he like worked with all his friends. His job was like pretty laid back. He wasn't overly stressed and he would come home and I was just exhausted and frustrated. I mean, and just like dreaming of the time when I would get to have social Mm -hmm. interaction and being like, well, he has to go to work. I don't have to see my friends, which means that like, the germs that we are risking him bringing home were necessary, but the germs that I would potentially bring home from visiting friends, that wasn't worth the risk to me Mm -hmm. because at the time I just felt that like every we've, we spent a lot of time just like weighing every decision, like every decision we made had a consequence, be it (laughs) good or bad. And it was just so, so (laughs) exhausting. And just the guilt of, I would get really bitter with my husband and then I feel so guilty because it's Mm -hmm. not his fault. Like, Mm -hmm. and you know, I'm, I'm so thankful that, um, he was, he was really supportive, but that first year home after NICU was just so hard. And then, uh, Connor had a hospitalization, um, about April, May, June, July. So like six months after NICU, he was hospitalized for he had a cold that turned into pneumonia and he needed oxygen support so we were in the hospital for a couple of days and that was sort of my oh goodness mm-hmm. he got a cold somehow and we nailed it back to from a specialist appointment <laughs> so he got a cold and he was hospitalized from a cold we really mm-hmm. need to be careful with exposing him to germs because look at what happens when he catches rhinovirus, right? This is serious. This isn't a joke. We have to quarantine. And again, this was pre-COVID. Right. So so he was hospitalized again, like two and a half weeks later for what we thought was seizure activity, which was terrifying. And yeah, I mean, I just felt, I was so broken and so tired and really just felt like nobody understood because you know, being a stay at home mom usually means going to like music classes and going to play dates and taking them to Gymboree and, you know, those cute, fun infant things. And I missed out on all of that. So between the bitterness of missing, I had real bad FOMO. I was upset that my (laughs) husband was going to work and I was having an identity crisis. 
all at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I imagine Mm -hmm. that there are lots of moms that, you know, who, who stay home after NICU that experience those same types of feelings. Yeah. Yeah. I literally felt the same exact way of, and germs are my thing. Like I've realized like some, for some parents, like screen time is their thing, but like germs is like my thing. So, (laughs) um, I mean, I put her in an outdoor school just because of germs. Like people are passionate about that outdoor school and I think it's fun and hip and I'm like, well, there's just less germs. Like that's really why I did it. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's really why I did it. Um, but I actually, so we came home, I got out of the hospital on a Thursday and that Friday I called to see a therapist. Like I knew Mm -hmm. right away that I was like unwell and, Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't start processing anything until I want to say this year is when I've started processing mm-hmm. because I was just surviving. So I saw her weekly, yeah. but I was just, I would talk to her about whatever was going on that day that would just get me to survive. Like we didn't really process any of the trauma. And then I got, she came home, she had all these appointments, like every week we were at the doctor or doing blood work. And then more things started coming up and Kendra talked about that a little bit where things just like spiraled after which and that happened to us too so it was after we came home that we had to see like way more specialists and there was always something coming up plus I found I was pregnant so then I had Mm. I was going to the doctor like three times a week because they were just like we're really watching you which I did I truly appreciate my doctor so then with all that, like Nathan had to come home and stay with Allie because he was COVID. So she couldn't come with me. And not that I wanted to take care because of my germs, but like there was nowhere to leave her. So I was doing, I had to do all that by myself. And then Luca came home and my postpartum just like got so much worse after Luca came home. And then I think this is the first year where they haven't had, because Luca has some issues too where he got hospitalized and he needed to have his helmet. And then we had to do weekly appointments for that. And Ali couldn't come because they will only do like one sibling mm-hmm. because of COVID or one sibling, sorry, one kiddo, no siblings. So this is the first year where we haven't had a million appointments. She's mm-hmm. only down to see a pulmonologist. So I think I've slowly started to mm-hmm. process now. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, like, I still haven't fully processed everything. I'm just mm-hmm. starting to realize more things like, oh, yeah, I should. this is why that happened. And yeah. this probably wasn't healthy. So, yeah, this year, she's almost three. So, mm-hmm. year yeah. number three will be the year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, having here, all of you are just gushing with wisdom. And Seriously, I love this episode. This is so incredible. So powerful. So there's a common theme that I'm hearing, which is, and you touched on a little bit, Sarah, this idea of what a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home parent <laughs> is. And I think just now are we starting to talk about in culture that that is actually a lot of like labor. It's a lot of work and it's it's um, not monetized, but it takes up a huge amount of society, Right. Uh, obviously caregiving for our medically complex kids, but let's not even begin to talk about feeding, 
breastfeeding and pumping is a huge amount of work. It is so, so, so much work. And it takes your body becomes a machine, your energy, you know, also coordinating the logistics. Who's responsible for scheduling the appointments? Who's responsible for follow-ups? Who's responsible for remembering to give medications and um, downloading information on new caregivers, right? All of this thing, all of this information, knowing where emergency contacts are at. You mm-hmm. you three probably know this the best, but all of that amount is is work, work, work. And I, you know, I even think too, Alexa, about the question of traditional versus modern motherhood. And what even is that anymore? You know, it's it's such a big question mark, especially with given COVID and now this idea that you can create new work streams or outlets through social media. You know, you've built up what I lovingly refer to as your empire, Alexa. But there is this idea that a stay-at-home mom still, this concept of you stay at home and you watch soap operas and you fold the laundry while the kids nap. And it's just completely disregards this idea of what you do is vitally important for your family. What would you say, and what are some examples in your own experience that kind of negate or have turned that original idea of a stay-at-home mom on its head? Um, For me, uh, we're never at home. (laughs) Yeah, we're never at home. And that in Mm -hmm. itself is so much. Um, You know, when Callan has, let's say a hospitalization, now we've had probably like 10 scheduled follow ups to navigate. And right now we are currently living with my parents, which is an extra like half hour from everything that we were currently close to or normally close to and so that just adds extra time and mm-hmm. we always have to I am always in my head thinking about all those both things Martha is okay what do we all need for this appointment do I have his emergency meds do I have extra clothes mm-hmm. do I have all of the diapers that he'll need do I have his feeds do I have his meds um, do I know exactly where I need to park for this appointment and what is Nora going to need because I she doesn't go to a daycare so I can't just drop her off with somebody mm-hmm. and my parents are still working um my sister works and tyler's working and i can't just say okay can you just like, stay home today and watch nora because talent has xyz and so it's coordinating all of that and trying to figure out okay how much extra time am i going to need in that parking lot to get him changed potentially change of clothes into his wheelchair and then am i going to need to nurse nora when we get there or will she be able to hold off until we're back home and it's just this constant running clock and mm-hmm. checklist in my head where it's, there's no true relaxing time. Like when I mm-hmm. am able to shut off, it is when my kids are in bed. Mm-hmm. And it's not, I don't have, just even when they're napping, then I'm either prepping lunch or Callan's, you know, we're trying to phase him out of nap time. So then it's, okay, what can I do with Callan during that time to make him feel loved because his sister is like, crazy and needs all the attention and can get it because they're just two totally different kiddos um and so how can I make him feel loved and cherished while she's napping because it's just him and I right now and there's just really not a lot of time to just have to yourself right and Kendra to piggyback off of what you said I mean a big misconception that I think is that at the end of the day, your day is, you know, being a stay-at-home mom is not a nine-to-five. It's really <laughs> just until your kid goes to bed. Um, 
and you know if they I had, go to bed if they go to bed right <laughs> as like uh, the toddler years and the new I mean all of it sleep is just a whole yeah. thing mm-hmm. um but thinking about I remember talking to my therapist and her like really encouraging me to find something that made me feel good find something mm-hmm. that's specifically for Sarah that will help relieve stress or whatever a hobby and I remember thinking like when am I gonna do this mm-hmm. like the end of the day when I'm exhausted because all I want to do is crawl in my bed. And I recognize that like, that is not, I mean, it just felt like that was the only option for me. And I remember her saying, you know, I got a Peloton when the Peloton was like, I, I like begged my husband. I was like, can we please get it? It makes so much sense. And I like, at the end of the day, I look at it. I'm just like, I can't, I'm so tired. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have it in me to do anything for myself because I have just poured my whole soul into taking care of this infant. Um, now that Connor is a toddler, it's a little bit different. Um, and uh, to not go on a huge tangent, I've been finding a couple of things to kind of make me feel more like my pre-mom self. Um one of which is volunteering with Dear Nikki Mama. So that is always, that always fills my cup. But the other thing is that I am an assistant coach for a club softball team. Um, and it has filled my cup so much um, for several different reasons. One, the physical exercise is great. And two, like it really fills my teacher cup up from being mm-hmm. that mentor perspective um, and just like loving sports. So that has been <laughs> like so game changing for my mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, if someone had told me to do that when Connor was smaller, I would have laughed in their face because I was like, when do I, when am I supposed to have the bandwidth to, to do something like that? Right. Um, but it has gotten a lot easier that he's a little bit older. Yeah. I think a misconception that I just realized is that we have so much time. Like I've had family members ask me like, oh, so how long does it take you to like really watch them during the day? And I was like, <laughs> all day. Like I was so confused. Like they really thought like two hours. And then, <laughs> yeah. So um, I think they think we have so much time. And to Sarah's point, when people would just say, I'd be like, I'm so alone. And they'll say like, oh, you just need to join things. Like, you go to the library, mm-hmm. you go, you know, you got to do gym classes and meet other moms, but germs was a thing. So we mm-hmm. just now started um, going to the library. Like this summer is the first summer that we've been going out. And even then we do more th- things outside. And then I have other people complain about that too. Like you always want to be outside. <laughs> like, well, yeah, because there's yeah. less germs outside. Like in my brain. Right. Yeah. Right. So I don't know, but about doing things to take care of myself, I think keeping them on a routine has been helpful mm. for me. So mm. nap time, like I need I need nap time. And Allie doesn't nap anymore, but I make her go in her room to do quiet time. Mm. So like mm-hmm. I just need a little break in the middle of the day and then also to go to bed. Like I need them both in bed. So I know like mm-hmm. when I have like a end time Mm-hmm. to decompress and then I do I have to set a boundary with and say like I need to see my best friend like once a week so we like mm-hmm. hang out once a week and that. she brings her kiddos and if she's very honest so if her kiddos are sick then we don't um, meet 
And I do the same. Like if mine are sick, then I let her know. But I need like social interaction once a week. Like that's Mm -hmm. something that I need for myself to fill my cup outside of just my husband. Like I need other people. Even if I don't get to leave the house. So during winter, she always came here. Like I just need to talk to someone. Yeah. yeah. For a few hours. Yeah. Tyler always gives me so much crap that when I'm around people, like other women, I just start talking so much. <laughs> and I, he's like, Kendra, that's so rude. Like, ask about them. And I really processed, and it hit him hard, actually, the week of our um, Dear Nikki Mama event or our um, leadership retreat that I – so Callan doesn't talk. He doesn't communicate. I mean, he – you know, I know him, right? Right. And, but it's not conversational. And Nora is 18 months. So she, she jibber jabbers and she has words and she has quite the personality, but it's not conversation. Right. And yeah. so I like word vomit when I get around other women or other adults. It's like I haven't had this all day right. and day right. after day after day. And mm. it's not easy to schedule in time with friends because Callan and with his delays and just different behavioral things he hates being away from home he hates being anywhere that is not his very familiar places so it's harder to schedule in those play dates or those gymboree mm-hmm. classes or anything like that because I know that it's going to take away from either Nora's experience or Callan is going to self-harm during those moments that we're out and about. So it's kind of picking and choosing my battles. But I told Tyler, I was like, I don't talk to anyone. Like, I don't yeah. get that. And then when he comes home, you know, we talk about his day quick. And then it's just the hustle of making sure the kids are fed and all of that. It's not right. that yep. deep conversation until yep. the kids are in bed. Um so he was really pushing me. He's like, you need to go. You need to stay the night. You need a yeah. break. And let me yeah. tell you, it was just what I needed. <laughs> I, my heart was so filled. And just like you, Martha, I was like, wait, we have to go back to reality now. I love my kids. I, <laughs> I with them. But right. I needed that. I Five years in. And that was the first time I've been able to do something to that magnitude. Yeah. If you are a longtime listener of the Dear Nikki Mama podcast, or you have found yourself enjoying this episode, we would greatly appreciate a review on iTunes. Reviews on Apple and other platforms help other mamas and friends just like you find our podcast, help boost us so that we are more available and accessible to others, and they let us know that you're loving what you're hearing too. So we love to hear the stories that you're connecting with. We love to hear how the episodes resonate with you. And having that review is a great way for us to get a really tangible feel of how this podcast resonates with your heart. Well, and this kind of leads us to, you know, maybe a question of how have you guys been able to partner with your partners of like, this is what I need. This is what you need. Like, we are a team. Like, what are some ways that you share the parent load, maybe the home load? You know, what are some active things that you guys have done so that your needs are met, their needs are met, your kids' needs are met? And is there such thing as that balance or what does that look like for you guys? I can share first because I feel very lucky that my husband has been so receptive and supportive in this. Um, When I first – when I first – 
started learning about the mental load of parenting and just thinking like, wait, I'm the one that has to remember everything, like everything. I know, like, do you even know his pediatrician's name? Like, (laughs) like, I'm really just like in charge of everything. Um, So I think it was, um, I wish I remembered her name, but they, um, she wrote a book about um, the mental load. Yes. Um, And I, I didn't read the book, um, but I started looking online about those. She has like tasks basically that you can distribute between each other. So this is a really simple one, but uh, Scott is a hundred percent in charge of Connor's teeth. Like he schedules (laughs) all the dental all the dental appointments, he brushes his teeth in the morning and at nighttime. Like Cute. this is just one less thing that I yeah. have to think about. I love that. And that has helped so much. Honestly, mm-hmm. it seems so silly, but it was like, okay, this makes sense. You are in charge of follow-ups. You are in charge of all of that. Yeah. Um, and my husband also does bath time a hundred percent of the time, unless he's like out of town, which is very rare. But kind of what, what Lexa was saying was I having that routine but then making sure my partner was very involved in the routine when it, whenever possible, because he wants to be a dad too, right? Like he's gone during the day and he, it's good for him to have that quality time with Connor. Um, but I think really looking at, if you have the capacity, looking at all of the things that you are in charge of and really trying to figure out what are some of these things that I can take off of my plate and give to my husband or my partner, just so I have more capacity to do something for myself. Yeah. Um, and I think really like zooming out and saying like, I'm in charge of everything and you're in charge of, you just listen to me dictate orders, which again is a mental load in and of itself, right? If you're having to tell them what to do, then you're still doing the mental load. Um, so really just saying like, no, you are fully in charge of this and I'm going to step back. Um, so that has been incredibly, incredibly helpful for our marriage and for my mental health. I love that we split bedtimes. So because there's two of them, we always do. um, So like one person has Ali, one person has Luca. And then the next day, like that person has Luca and Ali because they're both at one time, Ali was the easy one when Luca was like a baby. (laughs) And then now like Luca's the easy one because she like tries to bribe you to, you know, stay in the room. So, and then we also take turns on who's like on if someone wakes up in the middle of the night. Mm. And that has been since like she was a baby and we do every other night. And that really helps me just knowing that I don't have to be like on, like if someone cries, if I'm not going to get good sleep, like I need that. I need sleep to be a good mom. So I just need to know like, okay, I can like turn off even though he doesn't hear them half the time. And then I still have to wake him up (laughs) to tell him to go. But at at least I don't have to get out of the bed. So I would say that's, we like split in that way, but I need to take Sarah's advice and look at that was really appointments. Good. <laughs> that was awesome. I thought you meant just like, oh, just brushing morning and night, but you're like, no, you're taking care of those appointments. That's, like, that's <laughs> incredible. A holistic approach to the teeth. Yes, that, that is that. really great. <laughs> I love that. Um, we kind of do similar things. Um, there's just certain things that Tyler does every day for Callan and his complex needs that are just Tyler's thing um Mm. and that is even just like every third month or yeah 
once every three months we have to change Callum's G-tube. And so Tyler's, that's like his role and he keeps it in his calendar and he, that's his responsibility. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I want nothing to do with it unless I need to, yeah. that's you. Right, right. Um, his daily shot is Tyler's thing. And just those little things, like you were saying, Sarah, it just helps to take off of your running mental checklist. Um, mm-hmm. But another big thing for me that I've started to do within the past seven months probably is um, just being transparent with Tyler and saying like, I'm having a really hard mental health day or I feel this and I've kind of come to as my role at a stay at home mom is to have supper ready for Tyler when he gets home just so that we can have more time as a family after Mm -hmm. that. Um, And so there'll be days where I'm like, I just don't, I can't even cook, but I'll have it ready for you. And I'll tell him step-by-step like this needs this much in the oven and add this spice to this. But then I'm checking out and I'm just, he's great about it. He just takes over and keeps the kids occupied. And I don't care how he does it. I'm kind of one of those screen time moms. And at this point in our lives, I'm like, you know what? If I want to be a good mom, I'm going to have to let go of some of those things. Yeah. And just let him do what he needs to do so he can get the supper done and I can be sitting in the sun or I can be working out or I can go on a drive um, just to get a little space and a little me time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in our house, before we moved in with my parents, um, I every night after supper, Tyler would have his daddy kiddo time and I would work out. And that was my time. And that would help my mental health so much um, just to I would hear crying. I would just turn up the workout. <laughs> like, it's fine. It's fine. He's dad, he knows what he's doing. He has them. They're safe. Yeah. Maybe a yep. little bumped and bruised, but they're safe. <laughs> um, so that's been a yeah. big thing for us is just being transparent with, or me being transparent with him and telling him I need a break or I need my me time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And just to shout out that book, that you mentioned and the card game is called fair play by Eve Rodsky. And um, (laughs) the cool thing about that, and you highlighted all of it was this idea that the work that you do as a family together, and this plays in that stay at home mom thing. It isn't just like meetings and things like that, but it's also like magic and joy too. Right. So having that balance with your partner also allows them to, to step in and play that role, especially because one of the biggest benefits of being a stay at home parent is the level of bond that you have with your kiddos. So as we close out, I'd love to hear what are some of the beautiful words of encouragement that you have that you've learned from the positive experiences, like the little joys and the wins that you get from being a stay-at-home parent. What would you say to encourage moms and parents that are stepping into this role, uh, just like you did, that shock of finding out your new identity? What would you have to say to them? I'll I'll go first. Um, I feel so lucky for all of the hardships that, that I have dealt with mentally and kind of dealing with some identity crises. I think I have been so fortunate to be such a big part of Connor's development in that I've never missed a milestone. I have seen him grow like every minute I have been there and um, kind of like what Lexa said earlier, um, I feel like I get a lot of credit because everything that he does is, is truly a reflection on how I have been as a parent because I am the primary parent. Um, 
And I just feel like I have this special bond with Connor that I feel like I understand him better than everyone and anyone. And now him going to preschool, it's been really difficult for me. I thought it would be a lot easier just because it's like, oh, I get myself back a little bit for a couple hours a day. But it is really hard to not word vomit all over the teacher, everything that's so special (laughs) and so different and unique and amazing about my child. Because I, my biggest fear as a parent now is that I want people to see Connor and love him in the same way that I do. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel so fortunate that I've had him to myself all of this time. And now we're in a bittersweet season where I have to share him. And it has been a little bit more difficult than I thought. So um, I would say my words of encouragement would be soak it in as soak in those good moments and try to cherish them. Um, And also and also make sure you're finding ways to take care of yourself, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Mm, Sarah. I'm I couldn't agree more. I think the best part about staying at home with my kids is not missing anything, Um, not missing the bad either, because most of the time as a stay-at-home mom, you know why those bad moments are happening. You can pinpoint exactly where that cold came from because you are watching for that like a hawk. And so you know, well, that person had this and this was their symptoms. And so I bet it's this. It's probably not this, Mm -hmm. but it's this. Um, So just like, knowing your child so well I think is the best part about being a stay-at-home parent you know their fixations you know their joys you know their happy laugh you know just everything every little detail and it's so special um encouragement that I would have as a parent transitions to being a stay-at-home mom is to be patient with the transition first of all because right away it can be messy and hard um, but with your identity changing with what you do for work or what you were doing for work your new role is just as important and valuable than any promotion or pay raise mm. that you could ever receive in the workforce mm. that was so good thank you for telling <laughs> me that <laughs> um I was, just like you guys said, like not missing anything. I absolutely love that. And I love when you don't know what's wrong, but you know that like if you pick him up, like they're fine. Like, you know, look at the other day, we was just crying. He wouldn't nap and he was saddened. And I found out later it was a ear infection, but we cuddled and like the cuddle was just like, Mm. like he stopped crying and he just laid on me. Mm. And then I just love that. Even if someone else has them and they're crying, and then I, when I pick them up, like, they'll stop crying. Like, you just have that, like, mom, you know, that mom touch. I love that. And then for encouragement, I would also say everything you guys said and to give yourself grace because mm-hmm. it's hard, but it's also awesome at the same time and to get help if you need it. So I still have a hard time asking for help, but if someone offers you know, it's hard to say, oh, yeah, do this. But, you know, those meals, when they randomly come, they're so nice. I don't like to cook, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and to set boundaries. However you want to set the boundaries mm-hmm. that make you, like, you know, just help you get through the day, set boundaries. Yeah. 
You girls. My goodness. Jeez Louise, this was like a 10 out of 10. I could listen to this all day. This is so beautiful. And I I just know without a doubt that it's going to resonate with so many moms in our community. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, thank you guys so much for, for sharing so vulnerably and for just, I don't know. I just, I love you all. You guys are the best. <laughs> Truly. 10 out of 10. Well, we are unfortunately at the end of our time here, but um, we may have to do a part two sometime because there's just so many fun things to chat chat about. But uh, to any of our stay-at-home moms listening today, we hope that you feel seen and loved. And even when it feels like you're in your own little your own little hibernated space, just know that we see you, and we honor the commendable work that you do each and every day to love and advocate for your kids. And uh, I think what we've heard so beautifully here, too, is just that duality exists. You can be so grateful to be a stay-at-home mom and still miss going to work, still miss those parts of yourself. We don't have to choose one or the other. We can be both. And so we hope that this also gives you permission to say those honest thoughts aloud. How are you really doing today? What do you need today to get through to be to be your best version of yourself and the best version of a mom to your baby? And so we're so proud of you, whether staying at home was a decision that you had to make or a decision that you made for yourself, know that we celebrate it with you. We hold it, we hold it all with you and we're so incredibly proud. So we will be back next week for another story, but thank you so much for tuning in with us. If you haven't heard it from a boss today, consider this, <laughs> consider this your, um, your plaque that you can hang on your wall. This sisterhood is so proud of you. You have been promoted to manager, CEO, executive, <laughs> president, whatever title you need to hear today. You have it on the wall. We're so proud of you and we love you all. So we'll catch you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. If you loved this episode, we'd be so grateful for a review on any of the podcast platforms. And we'd love to continue connecting with you via our social media pages or a private Facebook group. And ultimately, Nikki Mama, welcome to the sisterhood. 